1: everybody wow hello before we get started as tradition dictates Kristen and i need to tell you some stuff yes
2: God, we just can't stop telling people stuff it's all we do we just so, tell people stuff so and then we tell people say. more stuff
1: <laughs> uh yeah the first thing that we need to tell you is all about last episode sexual tension awards some very strong opinions one very strong opinion and three uh things lost to obscurity it's almost like one opinion lit the other opinion cigarette in this
2: round of sexual tension awards
1: almost just like that because wow (laughs) way back in a whole other place in fourth place it's ben and buffy with three percent (laughs) charlie Weber in third place with four charlie Weber and face acting in third place with four percent of the vote gronks and ben In second place with 5% of the vote, (laughs) this has to be the greatest uh, slab of vote a first place winner has ever taken in the history of the Sexual Attention Awards. It's Xander and Spike with 88 freaking percent of the freaking vote. Yeah,
2: they deserved 100%. I don't know if that's the biggest chunk, actually. Emily McLongstreet, are you out there? I know that you have your math chart somewhere. Let us yes, know. Tell what us is your the largest truth. win a win has ever winned in the sexual attention award mm. corner? Um, congratulations, Xander and Spike. We will mail you your trophy, which is going to be shaped like a pair of Xander hands lighting a Spike Morley cigarette. You're welcome. Uh, we have a couple of events coming up, which I want to tell you about. One is uh, this Saturday, August 15th, 11 a.m. Pacific. 2 p.m. Eastern, our favorite time to do things. We are doing a buffering Zoom hangout with our $10 patrons. So come and join us. Jenny will sing some songs. I will watch Jenny sing some songs and probably dance. Hmm. There might be a a dog named Frank. There might be a cat named Gus. There probably won't be a cat named Sam because she hates the camera. But we could try. Uh, You should join us. It's a lot of fun. Also, um, a couple Saturdays later will be the next buffering book club. We are reading N.K. Jemisin's The City We Became and I'm losing my fucking mind, because it's the first time I've ever read N.K. Jemison and I'm just, I'm enamored. I'm in love. Uh, that is August 29th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and that is for our $5 patrons and higher.
1: We had... Uh, such a fantastic time last week with a new member of the Buffering team, Mackenzie McDade, who facilitated our first set of anti-racism reading and discussion groups. You can learn more on all of the work being done to create and maintain an anti-racist base here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash fighting which is now also linked up on the top bar of the main page for you to find more readily. A few weeks ago, we posted a special episode discussing those ongoing commitments, and Mac has asked to take over our Instagram this afternoon, Wednesday, August 12th, to do an Instagram Live tackling some of the questions and feedback we've gotten. We are so excited to have Mac working with us, and you can tune in live tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or watch it after it posts, as it will remain on the main feed. Thank you, as always, Mac.
2: Yes, thank you, Mac. And hey, you know, there's another person who we've been talking a whole bunch about uh, in episode. uh, And she's here with us today. Uh, Alba, Alba Daza. Hello. Are you there? Are you there in Canada? Hello. Yes.
3: (laughs) Hello. Hanging out here in Montreal. How's it going? (gasps)
2: Oh, people, all of our Canadian listeners are so excited uh, to have a Canadian here inside the pod. Um, we thought, you know, collectively, we've all been working together, the three of us now, um, for the last bunch of episodes. What was your first episode with us? Intervention? Is that right? Yeah, I think it was Intervention. And we've been talking for a minute now about having you up here uh, in the intro to like properly introduce everyone to your wonderful voice uh, and to talk a little bit about how the hell we wound up here working together. I feel like the way you came into the pod is a, is a, is a good story, a story worth telling. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about how we, we went from like being Kristen and Jenny and Alba listening to the podcast to Kristen and Jenny and Alba making the podcast together? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Uh, okay yeah so i was a long-time listener of the pod since um 2017 i think and you know i was just a a really big fan i was really excited to go to prom this year in april before it was canceled (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) i used to you know go on the hangouts and i became a patron and i was listening to all the interviews and um after george floyd was murdered you know the world took a really big shift and a lot of things started to come up and you guys put out a statement and there was like a response to that statement and i ended up joining the scoobies of color group on facebook which is specifically for scoobies of color uh for anyone who doesn't know and is a if you're a Scooby of color and you want to join that Facebook group, it's a really great community. There's a lot of support there. And I was inspired to send you guys an email with ideas on how I personally thought that you could make the podcast more BIPOC friendly. And I was really concerned because I saw a lot of people like on YouTube and creators just kind of doing blanket Solutions. I'm doing air quotes, Um, (laughs) and I was really concerned that that's that was what was going to happen with the podcast, and I really didn't want that. So, out of my own, you know, love for Buffy and love for the podcast, I decided to just like take a couple days, come up with some ideas, and construct an email that I sent to some Scoobies of color to proofread and send it to you guys. You know, with no expectations, and then you guys emailed me back. (laughs) We were so excited to get your email, both,
2: I mean, for, and I think that we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but I think that just the act of the outreach itself you know, felt like a measure of trust, a measure of hope at the very least, you know, maybe not trust. And the other piece of, of the excitement of receiving it was that I think it was like six points or something like that in every single point. I remember, Jenny, do you remember me texting you? I was like, Jenny, this email, it's like we can do every single one of these things. Like these are all things that we're able to change, able to shift, um, moving our moving our Patreon content and making that available for free for Black and Indigenous listeners. Um, we're, we're creating, can we say the jingle that we're We're creating. Uh, We're creating a white supremacy jingle um, Mm -hmm, to put mm -hmm. in the pod in season six, and uh, you know it was just full of of really brilliant ideas. And so we reached out to you and had a an initial conversation, sort of saying that like, thank you so fucking much for writing this. Um, We can do all of this, and these are some of the ways that we might do that. But do you want to come on board? Like, can we hire you to implement some of this, like to talk about implementing some of this?
1: Yeah, the the email, the initial email that we got from you, Alba, was was so amazing for like all of the reasons that Kristen said, like like it was just like every idea, like every point in the email was like even more exciting than the one previous and like offered us all these ways in which we could sort of like uh, just make the space more accessible or uh, more accountable, you know, and, and bring in more elements that will that are already and will continue to make the show better and better and um the community space uh better and better in particular i was like really excited to have the prompt of figuring out how to go about creating a white supremacy jingle and like thinking about uh musicians of color that i'm connected to that that i could potentially collaborate with or bring on board to to work on that and then um you know uh like kristen said uh we asked you if you would be interested in right consulting to sort of like implement some of these ideas because even though we were like looking at the ideas and thinking like wow these are all awesome and we can do them uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have the best intuition about like what's the the most responsible way we can approach all of these things
2: we did a little work um the, the four of us me jenny you and mac um And then we learned more about what you do in your day-to-day, and we started talking
3: about creative things. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I think it was really cool, like, that second conversation that we had on the phone, just the three of us, and you were like, do you want to, like, be in, like, work on the Facebook group? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No.
4: Not at all. <laughs> no, thank
3: you. Well, I was like, I really don't think I'm like capable of doing that. Um, But like, I really want to work on creative aspects. And my background is in film production. And I have like a little podcast that I did a year ago that I'm like restarting now called My Mama So. Yeah. So I have a background in creative production And I was just, like, so excited for the opportunity to even say, like, I want to do this on Buffering because literally the first episode that I ever heard, like, way back in 2017, I was like, I want to be on this podcast. (laughs) I want to work on this podcast. And, like, now it's just so wild to be, like, 2020. And I'm like, whoa, man. I was, like, a little baby. Like, I want to be on this podcast. And now, like, here I am. Like, hi, everyone. I'm on the podcast. It's so fucking great. It's
2: so great. Like, we're so excited to have you here for for a million reasons. I mean, I think, you know, obviously anyone who works on the podcast really has to be a fan of Buffy, but I think it's so powerful that you came to it as a listener as well especially because of the work that we're doing now with respect to the community here like the 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 skill set that you have is sure creative production and you're fucking great at it by the way we've only done a few episodes together but yeah you're you're fucking knocking it out of the park but also i think just having your voice um as a part of the creative process as somebody who really understands the community here is so Mm -hmm. powerful and important um and and also, it's just wonderful to have somebody to work with uh, outside yeah. of me and Jenny. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've talked about you coming on as a consultant, then coming on as a producer. Uh, but we haven't like been specific in explaining what you know. You're producing in a lot of ways. Sure, you would like us to play the Spike jingle when Spike lights a cigarette. We get that. <laughs> but do you want to talk Fair. a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more about the specificity of what you're bringing to the show? Yeah. So I
3: think. Overall, in an overarching capacity, I'm bringing my lived experience as a POC and my perspective as a POC fan of Buffy into the podcast. And so, watching the episode through my perspective, which is not everyone's perspective, it's of course my own experience and it's not all POC perspectives, but bringing that perspective into the discussions around each episode and around the show in general. And then also, Trying to find places and be aware of places that we as the three of us or the four of us, including Mac, are lacking perspective in another area and where we can bring in more perspectives and different interviews or, you know, researching the lion dance for and the dragon dance for Lunar New Year or like the importance of a gourd. Uh, in magic, you know, because it comes up. That was really a big stone we overturned. (laughs) Who knew what was underneath the gorg stone? I'll (laughs) tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you'll hear me later talking in the podcast this episode about uh, toys and um, my own relationship to toys as a POC and and how that has affected my interpretation or my reading of this episode.
2: You're also going to be in episode doing a segment um, for us with somebody else. So do you want to talk for a minute and let them know what you're bringing to the podcast directly into their yeah. earballs, just in <laughs> moments?
3: Yes. Yeah, so I had a really fantastic conversation with Candice with a K and she is a witch from LA. And we had just like such an interesting conversation about magic and witchcraft and kind of the practical practical aspects of that and how that was implemented into the show and I'm just so excited for everyone to hear it because there's also just like really good pieces of wisdom and like everyday life it's very applicable to everyone whether you're a practicing witch or not or whether you want to start practicing magic and just kind of explorations on on this magical world that we live in and all these realms that we participate in and and it was just like a really you know Magical conversation
2: <laughs> <laughs> i I think that uh everybody's gonna be very excited to hear both of you and the podcast. I, you're gonna be real excited to meet Candace in a little bit because she fucking rules, and I think you know, and you you just gave voice to this, but I think that what is so powerful is is that both you and Mac are bringing your perspectives, which are invaluable to us, but also this um direction toward places where we need to find other people to also come into the fold, to also come into the conversation. And um, we're learning together. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just been a wonderful start. Um, We're so, so happy to have you here as a voice in the podcast. Um, And to see like how we grow together and what happens, you know, as we go into the next season. We're just really fucking stoked to have you here. So, you know, thanks.
3: yeah Yeah, I mean thank thank you you. thank you guys too for being open and for following through with your intentions I think it says a lot you know I think there's a lot of things about people saying that they're gonna do things or saying that they're gonna change and they don't and so I think that following through with the intention following through with the promises that you're making to your audience is really important and sets a really good example for everyone listening
2: Thank you. I mean, you know, we, we are trying to take it one step at a time, you know, and commit to things that um, we can do and take those steps and, you know, be ready to also trip and fall and get back up again. And so um, I appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate that.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Would you like, before we roll into the episode, to hear the shortest email from a listener of all time that I think is a delight that was inspired by last episode? Yes, please. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, Victor
2: wrote in, uh, I don't know if you remember me saying, oh, Spike's RV, it flipped over in the desert and then they, it's used later and they make, um, you know, drugs in it. And I was making a crossover joke that was like not that funny, but it inspired this email, which is why you should always just try, you know. Um, <laughs> Victor said, if someone, <laughs> if someone was cooking drugs and Spike's rv do you know what they'd be making? Would it be meth amphetamines? No, but that's great. <laughs> that's great too. No. Ah, do you have a guess? What? No. It would be hell meth,
1: everyone.
5: Oh, <laughs> wow! Well, that is much better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and much more in-universe yeah. for the pod. Oh, all
2: wow. right. Um, I think we have introed uh, wonderfully, and, and I think we should get into, oh my God, I'm so scared. I can't believe it. It's season five, episode 21, which means that there's only one more episode of the season after this. So, you know, if you want to pause, it's fine. We understand. Uh, hold on to it. <laughs> it's all just slipping through our fingers. Are we ready? <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's ready. do it.
1: Hello and welcome <laughs> and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And hey, this week, oh, it's all happening. We're talking about season
2: five, episode 21. That's 21 out of 22, folks. We're almost to the end. The weight <gasps> of the world. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. And hey, if you haven't started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, you should do it. They're about to get to that episode called Blues Like Girls. So <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: where, where? who wrote this? Who directed it, Jenny? Where are we? Whoa. Well- the way to the world was written by Doug Petrie, directed by David Solomon and originally aired on May 15th, 2001.
2: Hey, this is the one according to IMDB where when Buffy lapses into a catatonic state, Willow uses magic to find out why. A tug of war erupts literally between Glory and Ben over Dawn's ultimate fate. Well-written IMDb mm-hmm. this week, giving mm-hmm. them credit where credit is due. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jenny, I want to start this episode this week by telling you that, um, you know, my job here, uh, your job too, is to like watch the episode and t- to talk about it, right? And yes. I had, I think I had like a sincerely uh, deep emotional response to where we are in the series because... I could not bring myself to sit down and watch this episode. Like, it wasn't, like, super conscious in my mind. It was just, like, I kept being like, oh, I'll do it, and then putting it off. And, like, even today, today when we're taping it, I was like, I, I can wait another hour. And so I just sat with myself, and I I was like, self, what's happening with you? Like, why are you not? Uh, and I think it's because I'm getting really anxious about how far along in the season and series we are that like we started this in season one and then we were like wow can't believe we're in season three and now we're like about to end season five and that makes me feel feelings and I think I'm resisting it so I just wanted to be transparent with everyone um that's what's going on
1: yeah I it's weird to be right here <laughs> uh, uh, right at just about the end of season five it's very weird it's very weird also my experience rewatching this episode was like i had less recall of like everything that happens in this episode except like i remember the loop i wonder if like every time i rewatch the show i like get to this episode see the thumbnail of of pigtail buffy and i'm like oh <laughs> i cannot watch buffy be a child stuck in a <laughs> in a loop i don't know if i can do this and then but- because Ben's room. Ben has a room at Glory's freaking what? what even Okay. It's
2: like it's like okay. um what's the guy's name in in what we do in the shadows? Buffalo Bill. No. Oh,
1: oh Guillermo. Guillermo. It's, yeah, it's like it's Guillermo's like... <laughs> dark little cupboard under the stairs. Yes. It's like the Harry Potter Guillermo Ben uh connection there. Okay, so let me walk you through what happened previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> it was glory 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 ben glory glory ben glory 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 giles and a javelin (laughs) in his ribs and then do you remember that buffy took down the byzantium general with one punch in the face because i didn't yeah i didn't either i needed that i needed that recap um yeah
2: don't forget jenny that we get the and i'm glad that we get the last moment with buffy just so that in this episode from front to back we get to at least two gutting moments of buffy because the previous leon has that fucking face of hers sitting down giving up and yeah i needed a reminder i needed a reminder to feel sad and defeated so thank you previously <laughs> on <Hooray.
1: laughs> so once the episode starts the minions are making a big fuss about packing up all of glory stuff because <clears throat> what she's gonna wear dresses in her hell dimension this isn't her like natural form is it like what are we doing i i
2: have a question and it is when you are traveling interdimensionally what is the luggage policy like do you get like two you know a carry-on a personal item and one up to 50 pounds or like is it increased
1: for you because it's a longer travel more intense like if anyone I think when you're a hell god I think the deal is it's like having a private jet you can bring on whatever you want as long as it doesn't you know um... the the limit does not exist yeah
2: yeah yeah. And they, they you know, since we're talking about Glory and Glory's clothing, they do a good job in this episode. First of all, Glory looks fucking hot in that black pantsuit with that little belt underneath that little cloak thing. But my point was not to talk about Glory looking hot. It was to talk about them doing a good job giving us an outfit that fits both Glory and Ben. Yeah so that we can take them both seriously you know like
1: it's like ish Ish. yeah ben Ben just looks like a like a like he's meeting giles for like their their couple's wizard costume on (laughs) halloween (laughs) um (sighs) yeah excellent pick everyone and because imagine if if what happens later when they're like swapping back and forth really fast between glory and ben as they like essentially trade lines talking to each other and, like, right. tossing Dawn around if, if Ben was wearing, like, a red dress and stilettos. Right, right. Would have taken a um, little bit of the
2: edge off of the uh, intensity of the conversation, I
1: think. Or heightened it to a, a breaking point. True. Um, Gloria is disturbed to discover that she does not want to kill her minions when yeah. she is upset. And she's, like, really... She seems... Like, she's being totally overwhelmed by emotions, and she doesn't know why. And I would just like to say that usually when I feel like this, it goes on for about 24 hours, and I huff and puff and yell and cry. And then I have a moment of a light bulb going off in my head. And then I open the period tracker app on my phone and realize that I am PMSing. But that's just me. That's not what's happening here. I mean, we don't know what glory cycle is, so... I guess that's true. You know, (laughs) But, you know... Having the magical barriers between you and the mortal with whom you share a form break down. Do you think gods menstruate? Well, it's a great question. If they're in control, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't have to, would you opt in? I don't think so.
2: I am about um, to get my period, and I will tell you that just today, I was thinking, why weren't we created with a button where we could be like, don't need this egg. No, thank you. We'll not yeah, be fertilizing. <laughs> this egg will not be viable for fertilization. So let's just skip it. We'll just let it go. Just release the egg. Drop it out of the body. Just bye. Anyway, continue, yes, This what's you were, happening. You were, you were talking um, about something that was not God's well... menstruating.
1: <laughs> you know... Glory's just having a tough time, man, and she doesn't know why, and it's it's all new to her. And uh she's like, I'm finally gonna go home. I'm gonna kill fucking everyone. Why am I not happy? Yeah. And then she turns and says, What do you think? To done! Yeah. Who's all tied up and gagged.
2: It's really good. That's a good reveal. That's a, I, I like that moment. I think it's well done. And uh hey, We've been giving a lot of credit where credit has been due to Michelle Trachtenberg, but she's just really still a keep. She's just I would like to go back to the beginning of the season where we were like, so do you hate Don? Do you like Don? Everybody's like, I hate Don. I hate Don. I hate Don. And I know not all of you said that. But from the beginning, I was like, I don't remember disliking Don. Um, and I i feel validated uh, in my own opinion. So <laughs> I think Don is fucking great. I like Don. I'm a Don fan. So suck it, wow. everybody.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, I think it's a lot easier to be a Dawn fan as an adult.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, I have full room for all of you who were teenagers and didn't like Dawn, but I just feel like Michelle Trachtenberg does a good job. I like the vehicle that is Dawn, you know, like the character and, and why the character is sure. brought to us. And and I just, I think it's good. I like
1: it. So there. Anyway. I think she just has, she bears the burden of, of doing the most whining on the show, Yeah, which is, you know... It's not the most fun thing sure, for somebody but, to do. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. But I'm, I but don't she, know. Maybe I Michelle Trachtenberg it. is doing a great job. Dawn is getting the freaking job done. It's all totally under control. Speaking of getting the job done, I have incredible <laughs> news. Spike, with his little hand wrappings flapping in the breeze and his long <laughs> coat flowing behind him, has hot-wired Ben's car and I need a cold drink Uh uh-huh i need a fucking oscillating fan is what i need (laughs) a mist a mist perhaps that's right Mm -hmm. uh this is even though we don't get to see it just knowing that it happened is hot i also want to ask our beautiful listenership have you ever hotwired a car has Mm. this ever happened to you uh if you have ever hotwired a car i would like to know about it and if you could explain how it works in whatever way would not legally compromise you or us, uh, just in case spreading uh, a how-to of, of uh, car hot wiring is, is, is bad practice. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious about this. I feel like cars are one of those things that are actually a lot simpler than we are led to believe. And by keeping us In the dark, keeping us away from the Mm. information, like the keys that unlock the secrets of cars, Mm. Uh, we are, Mm. of course, held hostage Mm. uh, to other people to take care of our cars. Mm. Dean, Uh, is this? How am I doing? I think it's time for the patriarchy jingle, unexpectedly. Oh my God. Ladies can mechanic too, (laughs) but all right. The patriarchy!
2: Um, Yes, that was my point, Jenny. Ladies can mechanic too. And I feel like the people that are often most withheld from on knowledge about cars are women. So that's why we played the jingle because I think that I should know more about cars. And I'm actually now that you bring up hot wiring, like I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't looked into it more. It seems like something that like I've been on the planet for almost 40 fucking years. You'd think I would have had a moment by now where I'm like, you know what? I need to Google today. A YouTube mm. video on how to hotwire a fucking car. Because, is wow. I mean, there's not much sexier than you being able to hotwire a fucking car. In so, case of
1: emergency. Yeah.
2: Anyway, we also learn, apart from all of our deep, deep attraction to um, Spike and his hotwiring, that Buffy is still not here. She's not present. Um, Xander and Willow have this, like, brief exchange where he's like, can you just try again? Um, and... You kind of think, like, it's it's almost like a mi- a little misdirect. Like, you kind of think, well, it's going to do magic, right? But she's she's mostly just like, hey, Buffy, Buffy, like, are you, uh, can you hear me? Are you in there? And then we go to the credits. Yep.
1: <sighs> Back okay. at the Chevron. Back at the Chevron. So there's lots of infighting going yeah. on here with the Scoobies, trying to figure out to- what to do. Nobody really knows what's going on. Giles suggests uh, that she's, that Buffy's experiencing uh, a state of catatonia. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow's uncertain about whether they should or should not move her.
2: Xander uh, has an amazing line uh, where he says, I am so large with the not knowing. It's just such like a, I don't know. It's just a nice phrasing uh, to, yeah. be able to, yeah. to be to be saying like, I, just, I don't know. You know, it's a nicer way to say that. So yeah. Um, and Spike. Uh, resorts to violence, um, classic Spike. Classic Spike. He, you know, and I mean, like again, I think that his mentality of like she's the Slayer, so you just have to like trigger her fighting instinct to bring her back. It's not off the map. I think. It, I think that like it was worth a shot, literally. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work. And then our boyfriend
1: starts tussling. <laughs> <laughs> also, usually I'm here for spike being saying something like when all is said and done uh i'm willing to wager buffy likes it rough but maybe now is not the time i forgot i forgot that
2: he said that yeah not maybe not
1: now spike okay Uh,
2: obviously the, the reason that we have room for spike backhanding buffy is because of the uh fantasy genre of this show um but i agree with you with if we're in the fantasy genre cut it out spike that is not uh, a line for now agree
1: but as you say happier times our boyfriends are tussling wow. they
2: are they're just i wish that their fight was the same as the harmony xander fight you know they were just like slapping each other we get a little bit of that yeah. later yeah um
1: and but they don't get very they don't have long to get in because willow is just like separate <laughs> Can we give We listen,
2: who knows what will become of Willow's next jingle, but like it, it, this is either it or it'll change. But we got to give her something here, and I'll tell you what will not do for our Willow anymore is the square root jingle. It won't do. No, it's more like
4: You mess with the wrong witch. Mm-hmm. Now you're going down, bitch. You mess with the wrong Young
1: bitch. I owe you I owe you I owe you pain. Okay so Ooh. love to see leadership willow oh, Uh me too Xander you're taking Giles to the hospital Anya you're looking after Tara. Spike you're going to go check in on Glory and see if she's still at Glory's hotel <laughs> and don't even think about veering from this plan and looking for payback or I will kick your butt. Mm-hmm. And Willow says she's going to help Buffy. wonder what that's going to look like. Mm, me too. Uh, love this plan. Love a plan I love a plan and
2: I agree with you. I need a little bit of that um, oscillating fan you were using for Spike earlier for this. Right. Uh, take charge Willow. It's just it's doing it for me. Um, and then we get... What may be one of the most classic scenes in the series? Um, We're just going to play it for you because we all need to experience it together.
6: Uh, Will? Now, uh, don't turn me into a horned toad for asking, but what if we come across Ben?
4: I don't think a doctor's what Buffy needs right now.
6: Well, yeah, especially not one who also happens to be Glory. What do you mean? You know, Ben is Glory.
4: You mean, Ben's with Glory?
6: With, in what sense? They're working together? No, no, Ben is Glory, Glory's Ben. They're one and the same. Well, when did all this happen? Not one hour ago. Right here, before your very eyes. Ben came, turned into Glory, snatched the kid and vanished, remember? You do remember? Is everyone here very stoned? Ben! Glory! He's a doctor, she's the beast. Two entirely separate entities sharing one body. It's like a bloody sitcom. Surely you remember. So you're saying Ben and Glory... Have a connection? Yes, obviously, but what kind? (laughs) Oh, I get it. It's very crafty. Glory's work the kind of mojo where anyone who sees a little presto changeo instantly forgets. And yours truly being somewhat other than human stands immune.
4: So Ben and Glory are, are the same person?
6: Glory can turn into Ben, and Ben turns back into Glory. And anyone who sees it instantly forgets.
0: The <sighs> Cupidole for the lady. Excellent. Now, do we suspect that there may be some kind of connection between Ben and Glory?
2: Oh, my God. We've, and like, so so many of you have been, you know, tweeting at <laughs> us or commenting on Instagram or whatever. It's where the jingle originated from. It's just like, it's so fun and campy and funny that, I mean, you know, the the lore of it is that this the spell has been done or the magic has been done so that even if you see Glory transform into Ben or Ben transform into Glory, you cannot remember it. And it's uh, it's a fun little thread through this whole episode.
1: Uh, I love it. I also think, I could be wrong, but by the end of this scene, Tony Head looks like he is one millimeter away from absolutely losing it. Yeah. <laughs> he's
5: probably just having he looks so like he's hanging on fun. by a thread
2: right oh god that's what you want like that oh are there bloopers from buffy somewhere like are there outtakes i would love love i would delight in it
1: anyway, tell us if you know something uh, we don't know over to the minions and the groupies Um uh, okay who would have thought that beyond just the sort of, like, whatever's going on with, with Glory kind of, like, feeding on the brains of people, that she also turns them into unpaid laborers. Every person whose brain she has sucked is there with a frickin' welding mask or a hammer just, like, getting the job done. No, it's very, like, um, what were those? The, do- the doozers? The dozer? What were
2: those guys in Fraggle, and, uh, Fraggle Rock, you know? You know those little guys yeah. that
1: were always down like hammering little things? <laughs> I think they were uh... called the Doozers. Oh my god, they are the Doozers. They've <laughs> got hard hats, they've got tool belts. Uh they're very cute. Yes, they are. they're they this are. is a straight up Doozer crew.
2: And so, yeah, she's made a she's made a crew, Doozers, and um they're building something. Um this I guess vessel for dawn and this ritual that has to take place at a very specific time which did were we told
1: that at any point until right no, now i don't think so I also don't this is the tallest minion i have ever <laughs> seen this mi- all the other minions are like three apples high and this minion is like taller than every other cast you mean member the special minion the like holy minion the, the, the minion. like priest minion priest yeah. minion yeah Good gravy. Um, Captain Anointer. Yeah. <laughs> Anointer? I hardly know her, as I always say.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Okay. So um, this Yo, is where...
2: Yes, Jenny, I'm so I can sorry. see your hands. I can see them. I'm so, so
1: excited. Did you recognize when, okay, the, the tall minion is, like, anointing Dawn and then Glory, like, in her state, kicks him out and she goes, get out. Get out, get out, get out, which yes. is literally a Don quote from yes. an earlier app. I did notice okay. that. I did. They're not so... They, they have more in common than any of us maybe have really given them credit for. they are not think, so different, you and I. Yeah, I think Gloria is well aware of it, you know? She's like... But, and you know,
2: she's not wrong. I mean, you know, she's a a god of chaos and destruction, but she's not wrong in the sense of like, they both are, like she says, like our human selves are for girls like us. This body is a costume, right? It's just, it's a costume over what we really are. And like, we shared this thing. We're both going home. You fit in a lock and I belong in my hell dimension. And like, we're, it's a big day for all of us here. And, but you and I, we're like the core of this whole thing. And it's it's first of all, Claire Kramer. Standing ovation. I
1: la 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 Love Claire Kramer in this app. She's oh, so great. She's so good
2: because she's really tasked with you know, she's she's been singularly focused for season five, right? It's it's probably listen, I used to be an actor, but I'm not gonna speak on behalf of actors. But I feel like a dream to be like, my motivation is X, right? Because you just go and she's going for that. She needs the fucking key, the key, the key, the key, the key. So you don't know how the acting's going to be when all of a sudden you no longer just want X. You've gotten an X and you feel all these feelings for the first time. Like, that's a totally different acting lift. And she knocks it out of the fucking park she's so good in this episode and really makes you just like every big bad i think in the series just like um, i don't know if i had a lot of feelings in my heart for the master but i do like mark metcalf so (laughs) you know um but you know most of the big bads in this show you have like a spot in your heart for like you're not rooting for them but you also like kind of understand some of their motivation yeah what what they want and why they want what they want Anyway, Glory is bonding. She's trying to bond with Dawn. Dawn is, of course, not having it. Um, And she's also really vulnerable, you know, and and that's like back to sort of reminds me of back at the dining table when Buffy was like, hey, they could take you away from me when you all of a sudden like saw this little kid face. It's like Dawn's really there for the majority of this episode of just like terrified, too terrified to be sarcastic, too terrified to joke, too terrified to say she's going to fight back. She's just in a place where she's like, I want to go home. Please don't do this. Um, And Mm -hmm. Claire Kramer is like, what is this horrible thing that I feel? What is this? What is this nagging feeling? And Don's like, "Mm, that's called guilt, buddy. Uh, And that's what humans feel. And, you know, to Glory's credit, she's like, how do you people fucking do this? How do you walk Amazing away?
1: Amazing question that we we're all know. asking ourselves Yeah, it's no, Yeah,
2: it's not an easy task um, at all. We'll come back to, like, more on this conversation, too, because they're going to get deeper into it. But this is the beginning. And this is also, like, you know, we hear her say, like, your blood is the key to the key. It's always blood. It's always blood, right? I mean, when is it anything else? Which goes back to the mm-hmm. question of do God's menstruate? You know what I mean? Like, maybe they do because mm. blood like blood's important um (laughs) anyway she says tomorrow you bleed little girl uh beautiful line delivery and then we go to this scene at xander's um that begins with anya and tara and willow and you know we've already given anya credit and acknowledgement for the fact that she's learning uh how to be uh, a compassionate person a person speaking of like, this is, like, another thread of the same thing. The human, what makes you human? What um, what qualities make you human? Uh, these feelings. And so Anya is, you know, Glory's trying to shrug off all this horrible shit. And Anya is trying to learn, like, hmm, what is this and how do I operate with it? Um, And she's come yeah. a long
1: way. I love the juxtaposition of, you know, Willow saying, like, wish me luck. And Anya's like, Good luck. Yes. In the, in a way with that she like learned how to do it in a book or something. Mm-hmm. And then once Willow like walks away and like goes into the room to do it, like kind of even like maybe without even necessarily realizing what she's doing, Anya's just like good luck. Like yeah. very earnestly, kind of like under her breath. Yes. Um I love that.
2: Yeah, me too, cuz it's it underlines that, right? It's like she is learning cuz she just did it. She didn't even mean to do it. She did it. She said good yeah, luck. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So we have a, we have a lot of like big things to talk about in this episode. Um, but, and one of them is the state that Buffy is in and we're, we're going to get there. Yes. Jenny, what is it?
1: Oh, sorry. I thought when you said we have big things to talk about, I thought you were going to say like, for example, the fact that there's an old timey welding poster hung over Xander and Anya's bed. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Xander and Anya's bed. as Anya moved in? I'm not sure that that is like, even if Anya still has her place, that's Xander and Anya's bed. Yeah.
4: Anya Anya has Anya's
1: bed and then she co-owns a bed with Xander. This
2: room is very, is done very well for like a Xander who has a job and some income now, but is still like in his low twenties. Like, Like, who am I? Yeah. I love welding. Um, (laughs) You know, he's got like some fancy lamp that he's probably so excited that that he bought. And he's like, look at my beautiful room. Um, but that aside, no, the big things that I was was talking about, um, one is the fact that Buffy is in this sort of catatonic state. And so Jenny and I are going to talk a little bit about that uh, deeper into the episode. But the other thing, and we've been... I don't know if you remember us trying to uh conjure a witch if you will um but we put a we put a call out to the universe because like willow is just shouting things shatter mirror shatter separate things separate she's fighting god she's fucking now she's going into the mind of her best friend to find her and bring her out. Um, Even Giles in this episode is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Like, this is some fucking advanced ass shit.
1: And I got to say, she makes it all look very
2: easy. I mean, this spell especially, right? She doesn't, there's no incantation. There's nothing. She, I think she lights a candle and she sits down and there she is. And so Jenny and I, you know, uh, we have our limitations of what we can speak to and what we cannot. And um, hey, we found a witch, didn't we, Jenny? Would it be indelicate
1: to ask? Witch, witch.
2: I'll tell you what, a lot of you, a lot of our witch listenership wrote in with some incredible. And so I I would encourage you to listen to our mailbag this season because it's going to be full of some uh, additional witch feedback. But we mentioned in the intro Candace, and we have a conversation between this is really exciting because it's uh, Candace and our new producer, Alba. They're in conversation and they're going to talk just a little bit about um, both Candace and her history as a witch and her history with the show. And, uh, you know, maybe what she thinks about some of the witchcraft happening in this episode.
3: So thank you so much, Candice, for being on this segment with us and talking about witchcraft. We're so excited to have you on the show.
5: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. A little bit about me. I'm from New York originally, um, moved to Georgia when I was 11, moved to Philly when I was what 20 something. And so I've kind of lived all over the East Coast and I've been in LA for six years. And I started identifying as a witch probably Around 2010, when I moved to Philly, because there was a lot of witchy stuff going on in Philly. There's a lot of spirits and a lot of history there. But I would say that um, being a witch is probably something that's been going on my entire life. Um, Starting out with dreams and really not having language to talk about certain things. And I think when I finally understood the word witch, I had a strong identification with it. It just felt right for me.
3: Can you tell me a little bit more about the dreams and what you mean by that?
5: Yeah. So ever since I was little, I've had really vivid dreams and um, even like prophetic dreams, kind of prophetic feelings, you know, like kind of an intuition that I've been able to kind of develop over my life. Um, But it started off when I was really young. I think my mom told me about a dream I had when I was four years old about being in the sky with Michael, (laughs) which is an archangel. And um, I just feel like you know, no kid is making that up. And then I remember one time, um, my grandmother actually was attacked and I was supposed to be going to sleep. And I just kept saying like, I can't sleep, something's wrong. I can't, you know, I was just really restless. And like five minutes later, we got the call saying like, we needed to come and check on my grandmother because she was like mugged or something. So just those things I remember from childhood being um, very strong with my intuition the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge into the spirituality aspect of life is um, when my grandfather's passed away. So there was this weird thing that I kept noticing that when I would be around someone and then they would die like a few days later. <laughs> so my grandfather took me on a cruise to celebrate me graduating college um, back in 2009. And then when we got back, he got really sick. And we went to visit him, you know, and then with, in a matter of days, he had passed away. And then in 2010, my other grandfather, who's in New York, uh, we, I went to visit my family there. And he had just gotten out of the hospital. And they were like, well, you you know, you have a clean bill of health. I think I left New York on a Tuesday or something. And Friday, he had passed away. I was reading a book about these people in Guatemala and how the how the wife kept sleeping when she was at the like resort or you know the place that they were staying and it was because someone was sick in another room and they were like transitioning and so she basically was helping them transitioning by like going into the astral world and sleeping near them as they like were processing so I felt that very strongly when it came to my grandfather because every time I was at with my grandparents I just like couldn't stay awake
3: (laughs) Wow, that's so interesting.
5: It's really interesting considering this Buffy episode, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm just so curious to know like what you think about this episode and the portrayal of Willow as a witch and magic.
5: It's funny because I remember watching Buffy like when I was in middle school, still back in New York. And I would talk about it with my science teacher, which seems ironic, <laughs> but <laughs> like we were very much into X-Files and Buffy and like Xena. Those are like my top shows as a kid. And for Buffy in particular, and in this episode in particular, I think it's all really interesting. Willow is essentially astral projecting to help Buffy, you know, kind of recover herself. I think there's some elements um, that feel a little bit watered down, right? Um, Like, one thing that I thought was interesting, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense because if Willow is just discovering, right, she's not, like, an expert witch. She's just now really kind of coming into her power. So, like, there's that scene where I guess there's, like, a fight happening between some of the characters and then she's, in her mind, I think she says, separate and, like, pushes them apart. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really powerful because sometimes it is, like, that kind of telekinesis energy, um, of like willing something. I mean, her name is Willow. Uh
3: (laughs) Wow. I never thought about that. True. And then,
5: you know, she's just kind of trying to do the best that she knows how to do. Right. The first thing that she does when she approaches Buffy is call her name, which I think is super important. And like, that's the one thing that I've taken into my own practice of calling my own self in sometimes. And I, and all the Mm -hmm. listeners, I would say this is a very important thing to do for yourself is um, to call yourself in and say your own name. Um, uh, One thing that another witch of my friend of mine does too, it's like, she was like, I'll say my own name three times at the end of a a ceremony or a, a ritual. So I think to invoke someone, it is really important to have the proper naming, right? There's so much symbolism, right? So that's the other thing that I think Buffy can help and pu- it probably did, like, help people just understand some symbols behind some of the magic that we we make on a daily basis, right? So she's, like, in the bookstore putting, you know, it's, like, this whole idea of, like, knowledge or, like, her and mm-hmm. constantly repeating, like, death is her specialty or death is her gift. I forget what she Death is her said.
3: gift. Yeah. yeah,
5: her gift death is, is death. Gift. And, like, I, I can co- totally relate to that because I feel like, like I was saying with my grandfathers, I feel a little bit like a death doula and, like, I'm feel called to do that work because I feel like it's such, um, it's such important work. Like a lot of people focus on birth, but we don't Mm -hmm. focus on death as a part of life and a a thing that that is sacred and that thing that should be held and regarded in a really, really high esteem. You know, I mean, I think personally, like, I don't think it gets any more powerful than that. Like, what is more power? Like, what is the most powerful transformation that we have in this life and that we can witness? On a, on a personal level, you know? Yeah. So the idea is that she shuts down because she doesn't think she can win the fight. Right. And so she just gives up. Your thoughts really create so much of your reality. So when you get caught in thinking about lack or caught in thinking you can't, or you're not good enough, um, and you get stuck in that, then that becomes your reality. In addition to calling yourself in, it's really important how you talk to yourself and how you let, how you allow others to talk to you. So like we get programmed and I think society, especially if you're in America, I I can't speak for other places, but I think, you know, Mm -hmm. in America particularly, um, and particularly for myself growing up as a black, you know, queer person, black queer witch, right? It's like (laughs) this whole society has taught us and programmed us. And not just me, it's Teach It profits on us hating ourselves, right?
3: Absolutely. That is the key of the profit, of the success, of the wealth of so many people is the kind of brainwashing that black people and other brown people and people of color are not worthy of success and are not worthy of abundance. Right.
5: Right. right. And then it, I think it goes even further, right? Like I think about how much we get sold on beauty supply stuff and that's that goes across races right Mm -hmm. and how much that they just sell like you know it goes across gender like if -hmm. you're a man you're supposed to be you're supposed to look like this and this is what you're supposed to do and they program us to think this way right and i think the great news about now and what the pandemic has done um has started to deprogram we've started to like reprogram deprogram that story and like get a new story and tell ourselves um more loving and positive things and and yeah band together in the way that we need to you know
3: yeah absolutely um
5: i also wanted to shout out willow's flannel snapdown shirt i really like that (laughs) the fashion (laughs) the fashion and buffy you know i feel like it's inspired a whole generation of queer people you know
3: the like bejeweled collar too right yeah it was like, like so it had, like
5: embroidery and it was just like i was like wow i had a shirt like that you know like <laughs> i did yeah. <laughs> yeah one other thing that i would just caution people if they're like are really getting into magic or wanting to do magic my cat's meowing outside um <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey quiet down <So> <laughs> <laughs> Um, A witch and her cat, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But Willow kind of just unceremoniously projected, right? And maybe that was because of timing in the episode and maybe because, again, she didn't know really the process of what should be happening. But I think Mm -hmm. if anyone's really doing that kind of work, you have to make sure that you are calling in your protection through that as well Mm. because certain things can come up in that space and you don't know who that's going to be and you don't know what it's going to be. So I would just um, caution everyone to make sure that they're cleansing properly and like protecting themselves through these um, spiritual journeys that they're on and making sure that they don't come back with any kind of negative attachments. I've got a term for it, actually. I've It's so funny. Um, it came from a typo, but I, I'm calling it intermatic.
3: Ooh, I like it.
5: Yeah, like it was a typo. I was trying to type dramatic, <laughs> but... It- <laughs> <laughs> my phone and this was years ago and i was like oh interesting autocorrect like made this word and i kind of like it like i wonder (laughs) what it means so taking those roots of the word right like um enter meaning to bury and to go like deep Mm. into the ground Mm
3: -hmm. and again that
5: like liminal space like yes that portal into like the spiritual space and matic meaning like to exist on it of itself or something like that so it's like existing in this inter space, so like that that inner like deeper kind of shadow workspace so.
3: Very cool. I mean, I could just talk to you forever about this. <laughs> we could just hey, chat hit me up anytime. Chat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we can have you on the show again. I mean, it would be just so great to hear what you have to say in coming, coming. Awesome. Episodes.
5: Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah like yeah. tune into my Witch Wednesday. If you're not on my yeah, Instagram. Where can we
3: find you? Yeah. yeah
5: I'm at Candice with a K. So it's like Candice dot with dot a dot K. Um, so it's kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, I think it does help me stand apart from the other candices that might be out there. Um, <laughs> I started which Wednesday during the pandemic just to kind of connect with community and like give people a resource to kind of talk about and understand what was happening in the astrology realm, but also like in the spiritual realm of what we're dealing with with the pandemic so that's weekly on Wednesdays at like six thirty eastern three thirty Pacific with my friend and fellow witch in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, we kind of come together for a witching hour.
3: Great, and you have a film that you're about to film, right? Yes. <laughs> so you're going into production. Are you still crowdfunding for that?
5: Yes, okay, so thank you for asking about that because one, I will say my company, I had to form a company in order to like make this film. My film company is named Enermatic. <laughs> Which I'm so excited about. Um, You know, it's like those things that you just hold on to that come back. We are still crowdfunding. We are going into production on August 20th, which is like so soon. Right now and for the rest of August, everything that we raise, we are splitting proceeds with the Lebanon crisis. And so if you donate, you know, whatever you donate, I'm donating half to help rebuild Beirut right now um and for the rest of the month so it's a really good time to donate if you feel interested to do that so you know you can do double good
3: great amazing and you can find the link to that on your instagram as well yeah everything
5: all the links are in my bio on instagram um we've got a great gofundme campaign that's where like all the major updates are happening and then i kind of siphon that out into instagram but um yeah check me out and thank you all so much at buffering the vampire slayer it's so yeah. cool i'm so like thank excited you so much for, for this coming
3: on yeah thank you so much
2: oh my gosh fucking Hell. yeah <sighs> can you even can you even? i cannot i know i don't ask either. me to damn it <sighs> candace with a k i'll tell you what um i had the pleasure like when we got on our first call to talk about this segment i was just like yep you know when you know you just know I knew. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so thank you
2: Alba, thank you Candace. Uh, Candace, I hope that we get to hear more from you on witchcraft if if there's any more in the in the show, you know. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going to Who
1: can say who if can there will say? be more
2: witchcraft? Who can say? No, not, you can uh, learn you of course learn more about where to follow uh, Candace and of course Alba who you've been hearing about for a few episodes now in our show notes today. Uh, yes, thank you both again. Cut
1: to willow inside buffy's head inside the F- summers family home in los angeles you can tell because there's art everywhere you know from the gallery and <laughs> uh there's sort of like a fake rothko there's a lot of sculpture uh
0: the every colors- room is
1: like a a bright pastel like a really like sunny light pastel color this is the 80s right and so like
2: this is just to bring you all back those of you who were with us in the 80s um and bring you there if you did not exist um this was a time in which many households had um toilet paper that was the color of their bathroom tile. Oh, so, yeah. Remember that Remember that? Remember that? Yeah. You know what I remembered the other day? This is a 90s thing, but I just have to say it out loud. Do you remember cars with automatic seatbelts where you closed the door and the seatbelt was like...
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, the colors of the summer's home here are very well done in terms of placing us in the 80s, I think. Uh
1: Yeah. We- so we see a little girl with pigtails and some uh era appropriate bangs. <laughs> and she says, Hi, Willow, and Willow says, Hello, Buffy. Bum, and we're bum, like bum, 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 bum. And It's like who I else could it have been? Spike. But <laughs> Yeah, he swings by glory headquarters. And this is where we get to, obviously, everything has been cleared out. And this is where we see Ben's little serial killer room. So, Uh, I just, I need the spinoff series called Glory is Ben.
2: Ben is Glory. Because I want to understand. I want to see Ben. What do the minions do? Where do the minions go when Ben is Ben and he comes home? I don't understand what's happening here.
1: Well, I mean, we've seen the minions interacting with Ben, and they just seem like little tryhards. They're just like, hello. <laughs> they, so is that when they're watching you the You surely, Price is right? <laughs> you love Glory too, right? Yeah, they're all watching the prices right to, uh, <laughs> all together after a long shift at the hospital. <laughs> ben cracks open a beer. The minions drink their uh, porridge or whatever, and, uh, you know, they hang. Yeah. Also, wait a minute. How. <laughs> Going back to our earlier wonderings about, like, when Ben was a baby, did a baby turn into an adult woman and then back again? Uh, Similarly, how did Ben come to be living here? Like, it's just all very mysterious
2: yeah and uh, a lot of people wrote into us actually about that and said um that they think that perhaps like ben was chosen as the baby to have uh switched bodies with glory but that probably it was not until glory's power built up strong enough to actually use that body um taking away some of our humor but bringing probably what is the truth to the situation What would pass for logic in this universe? (laughs) Um. Uh, Yeah, but a lot of questions. Um, What I was going to say is that Spike does something that I have always wanted to do. Uh, So I I, um, am a former smoker and every once in a while I have a cigarette. Okay, I admit it. Deal with it. And uh there's nothing about like walking into like an abandoned place where you're trying to look for something and pulling out a fucking cigarette in somebody else's house but they're not there and you just light your say it's fucking good it's good i like it, it enhances
1: the mystery improves your eyesight by 20 percent for 60 <laughs> seconds um but don't smoke it's bad yes agree
2: except for sometimes if you're me Okay, so um, back into the dream, or I guess, I don't know what we would call this. I mean, it it is, maybe this is a a moment to talk about some research that we did together with Alba on um, grief. And because Buffy is, listen... First of all, the girl is the slayer, right? She's lost a lot. She sent her boy. I don't know if you remember. She sent her boyfriend to hell. I don't know if you remember. She stabbed her girlfriend in the stomach,
1: put her into a coma. I don't, I don't know if you remember. She ran after Riley's helicopter, but then it took off too fast. I don't
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> any opportunity down the list. you have to bring Riley into the fucking <laughs> That's conversation. right. Yes. If you ask any Buffy fan, the three biggest losses uh, Buffy suffers, <laughs> they will say... <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but i mean but, for fuck's sake she just lost her mother right she she so she's
2: accustomed weathered if you will like many many losses in her history and mm-hmm. um has has grief on her shoulders speaking of the weight of the world all the time but she has just lost her mother and in conjunction with learning that her sister is actually a mystical key and people are after her, right? So the moment when Dawn gets taken, especially in this greater context, that you know, to to sort of wrap up this whole episode, um, we learned that Buffy is is in this state for for various reasons, and one of them is that she feels directly responsible for Dawn's death, even though Dawn is not dead. Um, but but all that aside, she's grieving and we did some research right so grief i'm I'm just gonna like read you is it okay if
1: i read a couple of things jenny i am jenny owen youngs and i approved this reading
2: because i I it's very interesting. So grief, um, this is all coming from uh, an article, of the Columbia Center for Complicated Grief, which is what um, we're talking about in, and, and what we're thinking, like the place that we think Buffy might be in uh, psychologically. Uh, they say grief is the response to loss. It contains thoughts, behaviors, emotions. I mean, we know what grief is, right? I don't have to read you the definition. But there are, there are different um, kinds of grief. Acute grief, as you probably would imagine, is what happens in the early period after a loss, right? It often dominates the life of a bereaved person, strong feelings of yearning, longing, sorrow, um, memories of the person who died, Um, activities are often focused on doing or not doing things to try to deal with the loss. This is like in the wake of that loss, right? The idea, according to this article, is that you're moving to a place in grief to integrated grief because you're always grieving, right? The grief doesn't go away. You don't get over grief, right? It just changes its form. And so you're, you're moving, according again to this article, to a place of integrated grief, which is the lasting form of grief. So that's where loss-related thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are integrated into a bereaved person's ongoing functioning. Grief has a place in the person's life, but it doesn't dominate it. That is where we get complicated grief, right? Because in complicated grief, the process of moving from that acute grief place to that integrated grief place is derailed. And when you are in a place of complicated grief, it's this persistent form of intense grief. Grief and it can manifest in many different. Um, they refer to it in this article as like dysfunctional behaviors. I don't know how I personally feel about like those psychologized terms. I think there's like a lot to the word dysfunctional uh, that mm-hmm. I would like to like raise a little flag on. But I do think that at least in the hey uh, we're not doctors uh, caveat. By the way, we're not doctors. We just read things and talk Subtitle about Subtitle of the pod. Yeah. Hey, we're not doctors. A Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, but, but I think that this does... It makes sense, right? You're not wondering as the viewer, I don't think, why Buffy is... Uh, has left the physical plane. You don't have to wonder that. You don't have to ask that. I mean, she has lost so much, so repeatedly, um, that even without all of the pieces that we're going to get folded in over this episode, and and because there's more to it once we get inside of her head, just her saying fuck it and and leaving makes complete sense. Um, she totally. is overloaded with loss and grief. You want to go to ads now. <laughs> Thank you for going on that dive into complicated grief with with us. Uh, It felt important to bring into the conversation. There's a lot happening in this dream. Is
1: it even a dream? Right. What do we call it? Right. This arrested state, like whatever's going on here, this loop, Buffy's loop. Yeah.
2: Buffy's loop. That's good. I think we can call it the loop. Right. There's um, and Willow's following it. Willow's in there. Willow's on the loop. We're seeing, of course, this first scene in the house, We get fucking fuck ass, Mr. Summers. Fuck you. I hate you. Fucking go away. Fuck ass. Yeah, that's right. Fucking Christian name. Yes. IMDb. You look up that actor. It says he plays fucking fuck ass. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Summers. All right. All right. Well, happier times. Yes. uh, Joyce and Hank. Mm -hmm. Um. And oh, Joyce and her hair so shiny. And um, I I think. It's interesting to me, like, it really stuck out to me here that, you know, Willow says, Buffy, what are you doing here? And Buffy says, I like it here. She says that a few times. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, if you were enduring trauma after trauma and loss after loss, like, right, this right. is exactly where you would want to go to, like, a safe place. Your family is still one cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And Dawn has come home from from the hospital. And little Buffy asks Joyce <laughs> if she can take care of Dawn. First, she says
2: she wants to be the baby.
1: Well, yeah. Right. Which, like, I might just
2: feel, like, as a Buffy Buffy character point, especially, you know, like, she's, even when Dawn entered the picture again now as the key, like, her instinctual response, which makes sense, was, like, man, now, like, I don't even get this. I don't even get to be, like, the point of focus here in this family um but then she does she gets this place of i want to take care of her um i could take care of her and then we cut to the first time we see her put the book on the shelf and i think you know this is done um i think the reason that i keep saying a dream it's a dream is because it's done so fucking well very similarly to how so many of the dream sequences in this show are done Um, totally and 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 you know, I think for our purposes of talking about it, we know, we know, right? But you don't know when you're first watching this. You see her put the book on the shelf. You see the fire. You know, just by seeing the fire, that this is a reference that they're in the desert. This is from um, the the quest that she just went on. What are you laughing about? Jenny? I
1: love, I love when it cuts to the bonfire and Willow's just like, okay. <laughs> I actually love
2: uh, later when we go back to the desert and um, Willow sees Sinea and she's like, Oh, you're the first slayer who tried to kill us in our dreams. How have you been? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like very Willow, right? Of like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. We know, and I think I think we can talk about it from this perspective that that the loop that Buffy is on is related to this book. And I think it's such a powerful reveal when we get there in the episode. Um, I remember I, you know me, I don't remember anything, but I remember watching this for the first time because, I never th- really thought about the book on the shelf. Like I saw it, but like I didn't put that much stock in it and and then like all of a sudden she says, both Buffy say I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> but that this is the moment where I gave up and we'll get there. We'll talk about it a lot, right?
1: And of of course it has to be because look at every other thing it's in between. You know, like right. this scene it seems so innocuous and and mm-hmm. so quotidian. Uh, Wow. Fancy word. (laughs) Words from fast food bread bowl restaurants. It's (laughs) fine. Um, It's just like the only thing. It's like one of these things is not like the other, except it is Mm -hmm. because it's a big moment. We just don't know why yet.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, Just so well. I mean, Really, again, I I beg of you to tell me any show that does uh, dream sequences or whatever you would call the loop sequence. Anything. It's just I don't I've never seen it done as well. It's it's very powerful. Anyhow, we come out of the loop um, and we go to the hospital. (laughs) office. This hospital scene is so short and so delightful. The first fucking yeah. thing that happens is Xander d- doing nothing wrong. And and you can fucking pull that recording out because I don't say that often. But, but Xander's literally just like, how you
1: doing, man? And Giles says, it only hurts when I answer pointless questions. It's Dude, so Dude, I know that you just got javelin in your torso <laughs> but like this is uncalled for it's So weird. where is this venom when xander does something shitty and nobody calls him on <laughs> it but-, <laughs> but oh my god it just and like nicholas brendan's fucking
2: face like his his response is so good it's just because he looks he almost like looks at the camera you know he's like what the fuck is that
1: about <laughs> <laughs> um uh okay we get Important info, Giles just in passing almost is like, oh, wow, that's like some really advanced shit Willow's doing. Then we see Spike stealing stuff off the hospital supply cart. What is he stealing? What's he stealing? Maybe bandages for his hands that got fucked up in the RV. Maybe some blood bags. Maybe he's, maybe he found a little blood bag cart. They're not carting blood, or like the hotel, like yeah. yeah. And then we leave a little packet, like a little hotel-sized packet of blood on your pillow. He's just like grabbing a fistful of those and stuffing his oh, pockets. Oh, that just
2: made me think of how cute and boutique-y a vampire hotel could be. <laughs> Um, okay, so we get, like, a little cursory information, right? All the patients in, like, the psychiatric unit are gone, right? All the beds are empty. We know why, because we've been watching the show. Um, Spike, right, Spike is stealing shit, then they see Spike, and this shot is so brilliant. It's... We've seen this shot before, Jenny, but not with Spike. Do you remember the vampire? With Harmony. That? Yes,
5: with Harmony.
2: It's so beautiful. There's a non no-smoking sign right behind Spike, and he fucking pulls out a cigarette and lights it. And at the uh, request of the wonderful Alba, uh, and just for the obvious reason. Decency's sake. Let's uh, give it the Spike jingle. Spike, I
4: love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, you trench girl.
1: Okay. Well, he looks good when he's breaking the rules. We also get from Spike um, in this little scene. He's like, I know this demon who knows stuff. His name is Joel Gray. He was in the original cast of Cabaret and the original <laughs> cast of Wicked. And he happens to be in town and be really plugged into all the demonic goings on. So I'm going to swing by his place and right. ask some questions. Um
2: I will say that I think that Joel Grey like I think they could have written this character into Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Joel Grey. Like I would believe if Joel Grey also had like uh, like powers of the universe inside of his oh, hell yeah. self, right? Um also listen, not uh, to put too fine a point on it, but this fucking odd couple shit with Xander and Spike where <laughs> you know Spike is like found, you know, Ben's room Glory is and Xander, of course, is like, Ben was after all this time, Ben was subletting from Glory. <laughs> <And> spike <laughs> is like, you know what, it's worth it. And he fucking clocks uh Xander on the back of the head. They're both they both scream ow. It's just make out already, you two. Yeah, do it. Do it for okay. us. So Glory Give the people starting- what they want. <laughs> Gloria is starting to have Ben's memories. Ben, we will see as soon, is also starting to have Glory's memories. Yeah, um, yeah. The yeah. cloak, she, she says, is fading.
1: Right. She explains to Dawn how, like, Ben came to the gas station in the desert and then turned into Glory and, like, is like, do you remember? And Dawn's like, yes, I do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and she's it's like, like that's not
1: supposed <laughs> to happen. Uh, Glory... Yeah implores the the tall minion, please, please, remove Ben from me by any means uh, at your disposal. But he says this is the price. This is her personal cost for yeah, what she's about she, to do. She has a little
2: bit of a tantrum. You know, Glory likes to get her way. I imagine most gods do. And she's like, gods don't pay and we're doing this now. And they're like, "Ah, uh, lady, um, excuse me, uh, that's not how it works. If you kill the girl now, you're never going home. Um... But before we get that, we get a little loop. We go back to the loop, right? We go to the desert. We see Senea, Willow. Here's, I'm saying Senea, but really here's the um, guide of, of Buffy's vision quest to say, death right. is your gift. Um we see the book go on Willow's the shelf. Like, Wait, death is her what? Right. <laughs> uh, we see the book go back on the shelf. And then we go to the Summer's house and she's walking down the hallway. So we've stacked on the loop now, but we cut back out of it. So we had this, like, really awesome conversation that we were alluding to a little bit between Glory and Dawn about human, humanity, uh, being a person. Who who can do it? Who wants to do it anyway? And I think two things that I want to talk about in this scene. One is I just want to play the line from Glory. I'm crazy. Honey,
1: I'm the original one-eyed chicklet in the kingdom of the blind. Just like, what? (laughs) Glory, what? Um, Uh, Yeah, you know, she's like, I guess she's sort of just saying like she's the only person who's willing to admit that that existence is bananas right and right. like you know and she how, says
2: and why right and she says and I think like what I love about this scene in this conversation between them is that it's complicated right this isn't a show it has n- never been a show that's going to present this argument like glory is wrong being a human is joyful uh, nor is it going to present this conversation as though Gloria is right, because there's so much to being a human and its richness cannot be described in uh mere sentences, right? She even glory even makes reference to poets, right? Like this this uh-huh. is complex and it isn't something that Dawn can answer, and it's not something that Glory will be able to answer. And, you know, the fucking dig-in twist of the knife is that she says, Do you know anybody? Who can handle it? And Don says, Buffy. And then we cut to Catatonic Buffy, who certainly is not
1: handling it right now at all. She's having a tough time. But before we go fully to her, I just want to say, feelings hate them. <laughs> yes. Relatable content. And <laughs> humans are puppets. Relatable content. Everyone getting jerked around by their feelings. So oh, This is so great. It's such a great... It is. She lost me a little bit when she was like, everyone's smoking, drinking, shooting up, shooting each other, or just plain screwing their brains out. I feel like she didn't get everyone. I feel like that's (laughs) not 100% of the human population. Uh, And I would argue that shooting up actually might be the smallest wedge of the pie she's discovered <laughs> and like maybe she could do a little more research to cover the whole well, she's feeling feelings of, of, for the first time
2: jenny she true. can't be held held that's accountable true. for every uh, word choice she's making in this moment um i also <laughs> think that feelings hate him could be a great shirt so put that in the vault for later
1: okay um so back in the loop Buffy's walking into Joyce's room and her mother's grave is on the ground in the in the bedroom. Yeah. And more important to me is the fact that there are still fucking masks on the wall. Right. Joyce. Joyce. Learn your lesson. Could
2: you you imagine putting a mask on your wall after you got your girlfriend killed by hanging a mask on the wall
1: in the first place? R.I.P. Pat. (laughs) R.I.P. Pat. (laughs) uh and then oh dear then she goes down the hall to dawn's room and smothers dawn with a pillow and says death is my gift yeah no
2: yeah this is hard and i again in the context of this loop we know what's happening here and it makes a lot of sense i mean she's putting pieces together And she is the Slayer, so even though this isn't a dream and it is something different, I do think that there's an element of Slayer power happening here because she's pulling information up that is accurate since at the end of the fucking episode it is revealed that the only way to defeat Glory, the thing that she believes she cannot do... Is by killing Dawn the thing that she does in her fucking dream? So she even, even though there's like psychological reasons for this, um, even though yada yada yada, I just feel like the Slayer. You can take the girl out of Sunnydale, but you can't take the Sunnydale out of the girl. Mm.
1: I said it. You did. You did, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, um, you know. As this episode proceeds, I can't help but think, damn, there had to be a better way for Glory to just, like, go about, like, existence on Earth without involving a human that she could turn into at the most inopportune possible time. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the way metaphysics works. That's the way magic works. That's the way this
2: shit works, Jenny, you know? Like, there's always a catch. You can't just have anything be easy. Sure. Uh, sure. So sure. Sure, 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 sure. I sure. get it.
1: Um, well,
2: ben, it's what Ben. The fuck, what the fuck happens to Ben? What the fuck happens to Ben? I don't. What? This
1: is. First of all, man, we've seen Ben be like a cute, sweet, charming nurse. Uh, we've seen Ben at the bronze and parties, uh, kind of like flirting with Buffy a little bit. And he's handled it all really well. What I'm not what is a little hard is the extreme you know, it's kicked up to eleven, emotions are running high, and I don't know if Ben is is up to the challenge of these emotions.
5: <laughs> uh, he's
3: not. It really handled it well.
1: where's all the blood uh you know the the acting is a lot the acting is like (laughs) turned all the way up (laughs) well you know what's difficult I think for our our dear
2: Ben is that this uh, experience of a person or being remembering horrible things we have seen that done on the show before um by a character you may remember
1: You got to be in front of an open fireplace. Yes. You got to be flicker lit or you got to have some Venetian blind lighting. You know, your shirt should be open to minimum, like four buttons down. Uh, You know, you should be surrounded by the finest velvets Mm -hmm. and... And all the art you've collected over the last 200
2: years, you know, he doesn't have all the Mm -hmm. tools. He's just got a little brocade. He doesn't have any velvet. It's true. He's got he doesn't even have buttons. So he just wasn't set up for success. But, um, totally. Yeah. He's basically like, he starts, this is the moment when he starts to be like concerned with himself, right? He's like, you know, Dawn is like literally about to fucking die, and he is like, "What glory? It's just like fucking glory." She never fucking thinks about me. Blah 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 blah. He knocks out. I've I've referred to Tall Minion just so you know as DeHoffrin, even though I know it's not DeHoffrin. I had to look up if, this, if the actor was the same because they reminded me so much of each other. Oh, it's a different guy.
1: Yeah, I see that. You see, there doesn't say like though, right? Gandalf Minion or <laughs> Magneto Minion. <laughs> Gand- because- Gandalf Minion. <laughs> um. Okay. I don't know. I have I have these two notes. Tall minion priest knocks and Ben face smashes him. Oh, has anyone ever done this? I was trying to figure out what I meant by has anyone ever done this? Beautiful listenership. I have so many questions for you today. <laughs> oh, have you, you ever over- bashed <laughs> someone else in the face with your face? If you work in a uh, stunt profession or you... Uh, beat brawl people up recreationally I don't know I'm just so curious about this because I understand you know I have a puppy and he's got a hard little fucking noggin that he <laughs> occasionally will attack me with unintentionally it's just like a little battering ram so imagine a human head which is what like eight pounds or something uh, uh, but according to Jerry Maguire <laughs> v- right uh, that's like pretty big and solid but it's like if you hit one of those with another one of them does that Though they cancel each other out. I'm very curious. Or maybe it's like when you were playing pool, I you hit one ball to... into another ball and the second ball goes flying. Yeah.
2: I was going to say it probably has to do with not metaphysics, but actual physics. It probably has to do with the angle at which you hit the other person and the place on your head and the place on you on theirs.
1: Right. Because like there oh, yeah. are my forehead into somebody's like delicate. Little yes. Nose, probably. Yes. The money shot. So, yeah, if you have uh, head-banged
2: any of your um, enemies, uh, do write into us at bufferingthevempireslayer at gmail.com. Please let us know. Jenny has a right to know. Uh, You know, who might know the answer to that question is LaToya Ferguson because... LaToya knows some stuff. LaToya knows some stuff about wrestling and I bet you she would have... I bet you she would weigh in on that. So we'll have to make a little earmark that the next time we talk to LaToya we can ask her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're back to Buffy and she is like do you like dolls and we're like we've been here before willow has an amazing line uh i think we've already deja this vu nice one nice and very nice yeah and jenny you and i uh we've i mean if, if you've been listening to the last few episodes you know we've been bringing in um our new producer alba a good amount and when we were talking about this episode she brought up this scene uh in particular, Because of the doll that Buffy is holding, right? Buffy is very, very uh, pointedly holding a doll that looks just like herself. Um, Something Mm -hmm. that I think many uh, white, I'm going to say white girls in the 90s because, we were not at a place where most of the world was giving dolls to anyone but girls Um, and most white girls were able to find dolls or their parents were able to find dolls that looked like them and so I just want to bring Alba into the episode for a minute because she wants to talk about this scene and sort of like the extension of this uh, in her life and her experience of Buffy.
3: This might seem like a really small point for a lot of people but for me growing up a brown girl in North America. My mom is from Venezuela. My dad is from Chile. I never looked like the ideal beauty standard of or North American beauty standards. And so picking and choosing dolls was a complicated thing for me growing up because my hair, my skin, my eye color were not things that I saw in pop culture very often. And if I did, they weren't often painted in a good light and I didn't want a doll that looked like me. Instead, I wanted a doll that looked like Buffy. The fact that Buffy grew up with a doll that looked exactly like her is a reflection of her privilege within society. She never had to worry about whether or not her appearance was accepted, and so she could accept symbols that looked like her without hesitation. And this wasn't the case for many young girls and boys and non-binary people. Growing up, in north american society or in western culture i think and i think this permeates like the entire world and neocolonialism and all of these things so even though it's a really small point seeing buffy with a doll that is almost in the exact image as her sparked a point for me and something that i noticed where it might not be something that other people notice right away thanks
1: alba oh yeah I think this is an experience that um that you and I have the privilege of of not of not being aware of while growing up. Alba really got me thinking about sort of like visible identity and invisible identity because mm. like as a mm. kid growing up, I was not at all interested in playing with dolls that felt like very disconnected and I had a lot of like kind of like anxiety and discomfort because I would get dolls like mm-hmm. as presents from like relatives and stuff who We're just, you know, like, doing standard, like, girl present gifts, right? There's so many, like, layers to what we form children's contextualizations of themselves or, like, try to.
2: Yeah. I think when you and I started talking more um, about anti-racism in this podcast specifically, like we did get some feedback that was like, "Okay, but this is a show about a vampire slayer. Like, what are you really going to do?" And it's like, "Well, this is this is just it, right? Like, it's always here. It's always present. The media that we consume, the things we're seeing, it's telling us something. It's always telling us something. And at this point in our um, like growth and learning, right, we're able to say, like, okay, so what is it telling us, and why the fuck is it telling us that, and what's the problem here? But when you're a little kid. Kid, that is not usually how your brain is in taking things. You're learning just verbatim. You know what is put on the table is what you're picking up to look at, and so it's it's harmful and um, important to look at. And so, Alba, thank you again for bringing that into the fold here. Um, yeah, and you know, just so fucking excited to have you on board with us and to be working with you. Hell yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, we hear again that Buffy loves it here, little Buffy. She just loves it here, and um, why wouldn't she? She has no responsibilities, uh, except to like hang out in her play area. Ugh, to be a tiny child. Uh, and Willow sees book Buffy again mm-hmm. before we cut to Spike and Xander out on a. Don't call it a date. They're just Uh, going to visit a friend.
2: Would love for their second date to be Joel Gray making them cocoa. You know what a lovely second date.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that
2: Doc is like, yeah. Do you want some cocoa? Because it's as though he's like an all-knowing, all-seeing entity who knows that Spike loves his little marshmallows.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, Uh, One thing I just want to point out here is that we get we return to the delightful bit of xander like figuring out whoa did you realize that ben is glory which is great but then spike says special ed remembers which we hate yes we uh no thank you spike keep
5: spike ableism
2: Yeah, I was going to say Spike is, um, you know, fairly homophobic, which I think we can chalk up to like his internalized homophobia. Um, So I'm willing to give him not a pass on his homophobia, but like I think it's complex. I think there's more complexity there. His ableism, though, that's uh, that's just some bullshit. And he is uh, repeated. He repeatedly um, says things and does things that are ableist uh, and saying special ed is one of them. So, nope. Hey uh doc joel gray can we just call him joel gray like to me that is the character yeah he is like glorificus you don't want to mess with her like i'm a small town guy and she's a big city <laughs> girl and spike really <laughs> notices him like edging over to um sort of protect this box right it's always this about blood so... and it's always i about just a box.
1: feel like joel gray wouldn't do this i like, agree he... i agree this feels out of character for this for this demon who seems very, like, cool and collected. Yeah. Like, I, there's I, no reason they would have their attention drawn to that box at all. No,
2: and if they had, he would have just, like, fucking killed them. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like he's yeah. powerful enough to not inch over to hide something. I agree. I thought that was a little off.
1: But, but he does. He does. And we get this great
0: idiot
1: whisper. <laughs> so, like, creepy and good. And he's yeah. got a great big sword. And a great big tongue. Yep. This was like the yep. first and he kicks Spike in the face.
2: <laughs> he does um listen. I know we've had a lot of sexual um sexually tense moments between Xander and Spike, Spander, if you will. But when first of all, first of all, Spike reaches into the fire. Oops! Hurt his hands again. Wonder who's gonna light his cigarettes for him. <laughs> oh Second of all, Xander picks up the fucking sword and ki- first of all, great kill, Xander. I know I've said first of all eight hundred times. You just this is who I am. You've signed up for it. But he kills. Well, he doesn't kill him, but he we think he kills Joel Gray. The way Spike looks at Xander when he kills Joel Gray is full of sex and 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 mm.
1: candy. <laughs> oh. <sighs> they anyway. leave Joel Gray's eyes fly open. Yeah. Willow back inside Buffy's mind is stopping Buffy on her loop, you know, saying you never mm-hmm. killed your sister.
2: Mhm.
1: See, it's like important info. This like um it- The way we get to the alley
2: scene, it it, to me is so ridiculous because I just can't imagine a reason why Don would knock Ben out. Like just tell Ben stay like Ben, Ben would have not, you know what I mean? Ben will agree to at this point, at least um, I don't think that she needed to knock him out. And of course, the jolts of being knocked out turns him back into glory. Also, so convenient. There was just a pile of chains in this alley. I believe it. It is. I,
1: I always whenever I enter an alley, the first thing I do is scan for a pile of chains. Of course.
2: <laughs> pile of chains.
1: Uh, I think she knocks Ben out because she doesn't trust him. Yeah. Or because, you know, she can't, she's no guarantee. She's the only person who's thinking about when Ben might turn into Glory or (laughs) Glory might turn into Ben. Okay, that's fair. Uh, fair. Unfortunately, it has the opposite effect of what she's hoping for because here's Glory. She says, You hit Ben in his soft human head, and I remember (laughs) the pain. Oh no. Yeah,
2: it's getting really muddy over there in the Ben Glory. Land, uh, let's play the jingle already. God, this is the episode. The the summary of this episode is Ben
4: is gloyd, glorious Ben, Ben is blitz, glorious Ben. In case you forget, I'll say it again. Ben is glory and glory is Ben.
2: Okay, so this is the most Glory and Ben, Ben and Glory get. They are Ben, they are Glory. It's a ping pong match. Whip <laughs> whip 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 whip. Glory offers Ben immortality in exchange for allowing her to finish this task. And he says, and I agree with him, I believe you. I do believe Glory. I like fully believe that if Glory opens this portal and she gets back on her throne of goddom, that she will take care of Ben if he does this for her. I think she's a woman of her word, a god of her word. I don't know. And you think, you think, don't you think that Ben is going to say fuck off
1: and save Dawn? Don't you think? That's what a good guy would do. That's what we are conditioned to think Ben is going to do. But no, he's looking out for number one. Fucking Ben.
2: You know, I thought he was going to be a good guy. Stupid me. He hands Dawn off to the fucking minions.
1: I love how they just like he swept down the, the this street in his flowing robe into this alley only to have this ping pong match with his his uh, other self and then sweep back out of the alley into the street. And hey, like, why did Glory even need him to, to agree? Like the minions were right freaking there, right. you know,
2: as we've discussed in this season, Jenny, the minions are horrible at their job. They were probably playing fucking pinball at the local arcade, mm. you know. Um,
1: yeah, yeah they, were, they were trying to have second breakfast.
2: <laughs> okay, so here we are at the end of this episode, and this is when we learn, right? This is when when we're watching it for the first time, we learn that the moment that Buffy... There's two Buffy's now. The Buffy that has accompanied Willow to the magic box, and the Buffy that is putting the book back on the shelf yet again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she says to Willow, this is when I quit, You know, it was just for a second, Um, but I knew in that second I couldn't beat Glory. I knew that Glory was going to win. I could feel it. And then to add to the thing that she is carrying, the thing that makes this the weight of the world is not even that she quit for a second. It's not even that she knows she can't beat Glory. The reason she's carrying the weight of the world is because she says, I wanted it to happen. I wanted it over. This is all of this too much for me. I could cry in this recording closet of mine because it is yeah. so devastating. Um, And she just, she, she blames herself for Dawn's death. She blames herself for everything. And she also wants it at the same time because she just can't anymore.
1: And then Willow does something. Hmm. That I thought in a di- like lining right up with when she came up with a plan and divvied out, delegated some tasks. Uh, Willow does something else that is very Buffy like. Mm-hmm. She takes in this information and says, Okay, snap out of it. Yeah. This is called guilt. It's an important feeling, but it's not more than a feeling. You know, your <laughs> sister's not dead yet, but right. that could change if you don't. Help her right now. Right.
2: And there's I think there's like (sighs) given the larger context of where we are, obviously this was the move, right? Willow Willow needed to get Buffy back because they're trying to save Dawn's life. But when you look at this through a lens of this is Buffy is really um in a in a deep, deep spot of grief. And she also is is describing depression and and a place of 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 giving up, of, of not having hope. And so That, you know if you look at it from that angle like Willow being like snap out of it is, is, is not the effective way this is again a, a complicated metaphor um, one that we may or may not see play out you know in the future so we'll just mm-hmm. leave that uh, a question mark but I think what the show is trying to do is set up this parallel right we saw Glory at the beginning of the episode saying what is this feeling why do you want it it's awful it's guilt Um, and and Glory's beginning to feel it but then at the end of the episode Episode, we're hearing Willow say, This is guilt, and it is okay to feel it, and you need to keep, you need to keep being a person, right? You need to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You need to come and save your sister. Um and Buffy does.
1: Yeah. But when when they both come out of it in Ugh. Xander's bedroom, Ugh. man, Ugh. Buffy just crumples. This that moment. I mean,
2: I know there's a lot of them. I know we're like broken records at this point. But like Sarah Michelle Geller in that moment when she comes out and looks at Willow and it all hits her and she just sobs. You sob, right? Like you just sob. You How can you watch this mm-hmm. and not sob with her? Um, knowing everything, <laughs> knowing everything that she's been through and then heaven forbid, you know, everything that comes after, you know, like it's just... It's so much, um, and it's done beautifully, beautifully. And this is you almost think like how how could you even take their friendship further how could you even get them closer um how could you how could you experience more with these two as best friends and then there's more there's always more which is true for life right i mean my best friend i've been her best friend for 20 years and every time i think we've that's it we've reached the peak you know something else in life happens and you're there for each other and how do you show up for mm-hmm. each other and what does that do what how does it deepen those grooves that you have in your relationship and these two are gorgeous and stunning in their friendship for each other, in the way that they show up for each other. And um, yeah, I'll just be over in the corner crying for uh, the rest sure. of season five. So, wow,
1: well, then let me tell everybody <laughs> that <laughs> the Scoobies are at the magic box, Avengers assemble, and Xander's like, Did you know that Ben is glory? And Buffy's like, So I'm told. And then, uh oh. Dad has some bad news. Oh, dad has the worst new Bummer,
2: dad. Yeah. Yo, Eek. this is so fucking, we're like joking because it's at the point in the season where if we don't joke, we will just stop podcasting. Um, yeah. I think, Jenny, I think like we all know what's going to happen. And I think there's nothing more cruel we could do to our listeners than just play the sound clip of how this episode ends. What do you think? Let's do it.
1: Sorry, guys.
0: Glory plans to open a dimensional portal by way of a ritual bloodletting.
4: Dawn's blood. Yes.
0: Once the blood is shed at a certain time and place, the fabric which separates all realities will be ripped apart. Dimensions will pour into one another, yeah? with no barriers to stop them. Reality as we know it will be destroyed and chaos will reign on Earth.
4: So how do we stop it?
0: The portal will only close once the blood is stopped. And the only way for that to happen is... um, Buffy, the only way is to kill Dawn.
1: And with that, we direct you to the Sexual Tension Award. <laughs> ah. Sexual Tension
4: Award.
1: Well, this episode is uh, chock full of Nuts. earthly delights. <laughs> we have some considerations for you. It's a, it's a little bit of a oddball episode a lot of dark horses Mm -hmm. uh in the race yeah and let's just hmm talk about them (laughs) uh first of all you know one one assemblage you could cast your vote for should you choose to do so is ben and glory you know they've been together forever uh, but tensions are high. Ben and Glory and are like this whole episode. They're like, I've been
2: working my way back to you, babe. Except babe. they're saying, yeah. I've been working my way back to you, Ben. Got a burning love
1: inside. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> Mom says vote Ben and Glory. <laughs> ha. Okay. Unless you'd like to cast your vote for the coupling in the second slot, which is Spike and Xander. Come on. They've earned it. They've got so much going on. They do. Mysteriously, Kristen nominated Doc and his own tongue. (laughs) Uh, To state it clearly for the record, I have nothing to say say. about
2: it. I said Joel Grey and his own tongue. So. (laughs)
1: Uh, And in, in the fourth slot. The clear victor, the only vote that makes sense, it's Jenny and Spike Hotwiring Ben's car. Please vote Jenny and Spike Hotwiring Ben's car. Thank you. No, Cast I'm sorry,
2: your but vote. I, I don't know if you read the fine print uh, in the Buffering the Vampire Slayer book, but it clearly states that Jenny may not win more than two sexual attention awards before Kristen has even won one. So you're I mean...
1: disqualified. <laughs> What the hell? Vote for me in the fourth slot. <laughs> and you can find the poll on our Twitter at BufferingCast. Cast your vote. Make your voice heard. Sexual attention
2: award. Wow, Jenny. Uh, hey, you know what I meant to say to you? This episode is dedicated to you because it's called Weight <gasps> of the World, which... The acronym for that is, wow. It's it's a Jenny special. <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. Well. Uh, I always knew it would come down to this, of course. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy. You know, it was an honor just to be nominated. All and right, then all to right. see this beautiful episode all about me come to mm-hmm. fruition. Uh, what an honor. Tell um, who you are? <laughs> yes, well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, <laughs> and when I'm not watching Buffy, gosh, I'm usually writing songs and recording songs. Um, in fact, I I just put a new one out just on Bandcamp over at JennyOwenYoungs.bandcamp.com on Friday. Uh, you can hear it there. You can also learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Young. And oh my God, if you don't want to listen to me sing or when you're done listening to me sing, you could listen (laughs) to me talk about another petite blonde protagonist on my other podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations.
2: Wow!
1: Hey, uh, I'm Kristen
2: Russo, and when I'm not talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer from my closet, I am uh, doing some other things. I am back with Joanna Robinson this week. Uh, I will, by the time this airs, I will have seen Terminator, Terminator Two, Judgment Day, and Terminator Six. Something, something, something. I don't know what the third one's called, but I am back with Feels Like the First Time. Uh, That's a Patreon only podcast. It's on our Patreon and also on the Storms Patreon account. Uh, It's where I watch movies for the first time that I've never seen before, even though they are iconic uh, pieces of our uh, shared pop culture history. So uh, you can check me doing that, or you can go to my website, KristinNoline.com. That's K R I S T I N N O E L I N E, and learn about the work that I have done and am doing with LGBTQ communities. How about that you can use that nifty spelling of my first and middle name to also find me on twitter and on instagram uh you can even see what the inside of my podcast closet looks like joanna robinson and i are on a podcast closet off uh it's like what i imagine like <laughs> men do with their man caves uh you know like i'm like oh yeah well i got this sunflower print up and she's like oh yeah well i got <laughs> so we're just going to try to one up each other till the end of time no. um,
1: anyhow. Who are we? Yeah. Well, Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you could drop us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Or you could leave us a voicemail at area code 21630BUFFY. Hell yeah. You can support what we do here if you'd like to. We would love it. Um,
2: You can join our Patreon family, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon up there. You can uh, head to our store. We've got some merch. It says, you know, we have shirts that say things like smash the demon lizard patriarchy. Why are men? There's a theme. Um, And you can also rate and review us over on iTunes if you haven't already. All of those things help us do the things we do. And many of you already support us. So thank you. Uh, so much
1: until next time
2: Uh, oh my god season five is almost over
4: when i start at the bottom and go back to the top walk a mile worth of hallway turn around and stop there's a grave in the bedroom there's a book up on a shelf is a piece of my family that I can't
1: one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics the most welcoming place for LGBTQ folks and women to chat comics fiction and pop culture Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast we speak with amazing guests about the media they've created critiqued and loved and you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here we've been named a best comic book podcast by several publications including Book Riot The
3: Mary Sue and Comic Book Herald so tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.